Well, hey, Kairos. I'll say, bless the Lord, if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Welcome back to the attic. Joining us for another night of worship, of meeting with the Lord through his word, and also with his people gathered digitally. So if you're joining us on the website, on Facebook, uh, or wherever you are, uh, my prayer is that God will meet you in a powerful and tangible way, in such a way that it creates a deeper hunger for Him. <clears throat> so, we're continuing our series called Disruptive Transformation. We're walking through Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, um, and just seeing Jesus, who is disrupting the status quo, shifting power relationships, and challenging the motives behind what we do and why we do it. Um, for the past couple of weeks, we've just been looking at Jesus challenging existing practices and saying, hey, don't do those so that people see you because then you'll get your reward in full. Do them in secret so your Father in heaven will reward you. We'll talk next week a little bit more about rewards. That's exciting. If you come back next week, there's a reward. Woo-woo! That's called a teaser. Yeah! Um, we want to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime, any place, including in the attic and in your living room and in your bedroom. So when we were uh, just, we're going to talk about uh, fasting uh, tonight, or Jesus is going to talk about it, and we're going to talk about what Jesus talked about. And uh, it, the problem that Jesus is mainly dealing with is people are doing God-centered things for selfish motivations and selfish ends, just to be seen, to be seen as super religious or pious or super spiritual. And so he's fighting against the fact that that's basically false religion. When you do God-centered things for man-centered approval, the problem that we're facing is we don't have any religion at all. Jesus says, hey, when you give and when you pray and when you fast, and the problem with us is most of us, we aren't doing that stuff. And so hopefully I would say, even if we've, you've gone through this series with us and you've gotten to a place where, hey, I want to start to give to the poor in a way that's consistent and secretive and not boastful, that's great. Maybe you got to the place where, hey, I want to practice praying a little bit more because I want God's power, I want His provision, I want His presence, and I want His peace in my life. That's great. But usually by the time we get to fasting, everyone's like, yeah, not so fast, Chris. You see what I did there? That was called a play on words. Uh, we're we're going to read a text, and before you tune it out, I just want to admit this together, and this is actually the title of the talk, which is why... I love being a young adults pastor. I get to say things like this. Uh, fasting sucks. Let's just embrace it. Let's just tell the truth and say what it is. Fasting sucks. Uh, I arrived at this conclusion in college because I never fasted a day in my life. One really talked about if it was, I tuned it out. Uh, probably like some of you are doing right now. Uh, I tried one time when um, I was doing my best to try to give the Lord lordship in my life, not just believe in Jesus, but follow him, not just say, hey, I'm a Christian and I want to go to heaven when I die, but I actually want to bring the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. And that means me doing things a certain way that Jesus talked about. And so a group I was in, we talked about fasting for 24 hours. Uh, and the goal of fasting, right, is to get closer to God, to pray, to worship, and to access His strength and His power. And it's like, yeah, great. Um, fasting sucks. Uh, I expected that somehow 
God would wave this magic wand, see that I had gone without food, and all of a sudden just zap out all of my sinful desires. He would part the heavens. I would have this beatific vision. Suddenly I'd have the spiritual gift of painting. I would probably paint it and it would hang in the Louvre and it would say done by St. Christopher in his sophomore year as his genius was early revealed. Um, And that didn't happen in the first five minutes. And so I ate chicken wings because fasting sucks, right? Uh, What I wanted to do is just go ahead and get fast forward to the end. I didn't want to wait in my worship. I wanted it right now. Um, I didn't want to deny myself or deny my appetites. Um, I just wanted God to fix them. And the thing about Christianity, you realize real quickly, is that you love when Jesus sacrifices and suffers and serves you. But when he calls you to participate in the fellowship of his sufferings and sacrifices, all of a sudden you're like, wait, not so fast, Jesus, because fasting sucks. Thank you. Um, Today is Tuesday. We call it Takeout Tuesday here at the house. Um, We usually let the kids go support some local restaurants and we'll buy them whatever dinner they want. My wife usually goes to four different places because... Our kids are consumeristic little brats. Or we love them. We want to reward them with love from Jesus. Uh, and then we'll sit down and we'll watch Kairos together. We bribe them with food so that they listen to their dad be the spiritual leader in the house. But she does a draft and you pull out chores. And one of them is vacuuming. So this is about to get used. And my son Simon uh, last week had the vacuuming chore. And here's what I learned. Uh, Teenagers suck at cleaning. Um, I'm not trying to be sexist, but especially boys seem to struggle with this. Uh, uh, That's not true. Um, Let's just pick on Simon right now because it doesn't feel good to pick on Adigail. But he's vacuuming and it's horrific. Like I walk by and realize he's doing half of the carpet. He's not getting any of the dirt. And he's sure not using the attachment, especially to get along the baseboards um, where all the dust collects. So I step in, try to mentor him a little bit. Um, There's nothing like the good sound of a vacuum cleaner. And then I try to give him a vision of what he's doing for the family. Like if he can see the end goal of all the impurities and dirt and obstructions that he is giving us uh, um, that are taking out of the carpet and off the floors, then maybe he'll, he'll actually learn how to clean. So this has a canister which by the way i don't know if this is like for ocd people but it's see-through so that you can actually see all this crap that was in your carpet that you've been rolling around on right this is what it's sucking out of the carpet now i don't know about you i'm not i'm not normally like this but for some reason let's see if this works i really enjoy seeing how messy and dirty and how much grime and grit has accumulated all right so you ready for this this could go good or it could go bad so yeah about half of that went in the trash can and half of it's on my jeans and the other half what do you think i'm breathing in right now just let that gross you out a little bit there it is in there okay that that was what's in our carpets this is ridiculous by the way can you see that that that's just what happened sometimes you, you got to rehearse with the illustration but 
that's not working. Then if, <coughs> sorry, I'm supposed to cover. I, I'll get them, I'll do the rest of the sermon with them face mask. If that's not enough, look at this. It's got an air filter that also helps get some of the impurities out of the air that it sucks out of the air. So does that look that dirty? But then watch what happens. Right? All that stuff. Ha look, <laughs> yeah! Brilliant illustrator. Like the freaking Carrot Top or Gallagher of Christian preaching. That's what fasting's supposed to do. Fasting sucks. It sucks out all the obstructions, the idols, the dirt, and the grime that on the surface we don't see. But if we take long enough to abstain and to listen and to allow the Lord to draw out of our souls all of our impure motives and desires and obstructions, then perhaps not only can we hear, but we can receive his power and his strength. So I want you to be thinking about that as we read the text on fasting. Jacoby. Hey Kairos, thanks again for joining us tonight. We want to continue as is our habit to read God's word as an act of worship. So I'll invite you to do that with us. Um, as always, grab your copy of God's Word. Follow along on the screen if you'd like. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 6 tonight. And before we go uh, to our scriptures, I would love to go to the Lord in prayer. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Would you clear away all that so easily entangles so Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Matthew chapter 6, I'll begin reading in verse 16. Jesus said, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for reading our text, Jacoby. Now, I have to confess to you that while you read the text, I snuck out of the attic to go wash my hands because it's gross. Um, and hopefully, Simon will be cleaning the attic at some point. Now, once we get done that text, some of you may again be going, not so fast, Chris, not so fast. I'm a New Testament Christian, okay? Jesus is talking to religious Pharisees who are fasting twice a week, and they're doing it when they're doing it. They're making their faces. They're putting ash on their faces. They're putting sath cloth on, and they just want to be seen. But Jesus didn't, like earlier, um, the Pharisees go, why aren't your disciples fasting? And he said, they don't have to fast while the bridegroom is here. So I'm a New Testament Christian. We don't have to fast. That's like ancient aesthetic practice. It's like associated with Near East mysticism and false religions. Well, first of all, um, and you could say the Bible never commands it. 
Um, which I would say to you, uh, the Bible, I don't think the Bible commands it. I think it assumes it. It assumes in this text that we're giving. It assumes that we're praying. And it assumes that we're fasting. While we're doing those things that it assumes, we have to check our motives. Fasting is a theme throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Psalm 69.10, I have humbled my soul with fasting. It humbles your soul. Um, there's numerous examples of corporate fasts uh, for repentance, for deliverance. Uh, from a group of people. There's also personal fast. Um, I guess you call Daniel's fast uh, um, partial fast and with a group of his friends um, to remain pure and holy and access power and strength that they would need to follow a God uh, while persevering in the midst of persecution. Um, Jesus fasted. Okay, so um, he had a 40-day full fast. And in that, it says the um, spirit drove him into the wilderness. And when he came out after that fast and being tempted, he was in the power of the spirit. It wasn't until after his fast and his temptation that Jesus came out and started doing all of his teachings and miracles. So there's something powerful about it. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, oh, in uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it shows after Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples, they're gathered and they're worshiping and fasting. Those things are meant to go together. And during that time, the Holy Spirit says, set aside for me Paul and Barnabas. So now you have an incredible opportunity to hear the Lord and to advance his mission because when you're fasting, um, you're more ready and willing to go. And then um, in the 18th century, uh, you have Charles Spurgeon who was a pastor of a church in London, England, and he said this, that during the times of fasting and praying for his church, never did the gates of heaven stand wider and our hearts were closer to the glory of God. So fasting is a way for us to connect with God and develop our hunger for him. Now, a lot of you may be saying, I'm more of like a feasting Christian, right? That's biblical. I'm a Deuteronomy 8.10 person, right? Eat and be full and bless the Lord for the land that he has given you. Great. Well, I would say this. Some of our motivation into fasting is so that we can feast. When you fast, it's because you want to develop your spiritual appetite, your hunger, your cravings to be satisfied in God and his good gifts in the appropriate time. Uh, picking on Simon, uh, somebody gave us a big fat like London broil. Uh, he's a huge meat eater, and we don't have a lot of meat in this house, and I can't afford to feed him that way sometimes. So he got this big fatty London broil steak thing. We grilled it and all this stuff, and um, he woke up that morning and says, Dad, are we eating that steak tonight? And I'm like, yeah, buddy, we can. He goes, good. I'm not eating all day. Why is he not eating all day? Why is he fasting? Because he wants to feast and he wants his feasting to be better through fasting. Now, I'm not trying to give us a spiritual eating disorder. Uh, I'm not trying to say that that's why we do things. But I do believe that when we deny ourselves and curb our appetites, it's so that we can feast on the goodness of God. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God to feast on the bread of life, to acknowledge our dysfunction and our malnourishment so that we can truly eat and be satisfied in ways that will lead to life flourishing. So first of all, how do we fast? If fasting sucks, how do we fast? Well, um, 
uh, uh, let me do this. Let me do why we fast before we get to how we fast, because I think you should start with the why. Uh, three things when fasting sucks, I think that'll help us out. It excavates, it regulates, and it elevates. Fasting excavates. It reveals to us what controls us. It highlights our sin, our false motivations, our vain glory, our people-pleasing ways. When we fast, all of a sudden, the reason why I didn't like fasting in college is because it was doing what it was supposed to be doing. It's pulling up the fact that I have inordinate appetites that I have not learned how to control, but rather they control me. So fasting excavates. It starts to show us where our false idols are so that we can kill them. What's an idol? An idol is usually when we take a good thing and make it a God thing, which is a bad thing. We can take anything that God's given us, food, our our sexuality, our desire for passion or purpose, and we can take it and we can make it God. And all we do is make sure that we're pursuing that regardless of how we're pursuing it. So it, it excavates. The second thing it does is it regulates. It regulates our appetites, it regulates our bodies, it regulates our spirit. Now you can do a lot of research on this, and I think uh, scientific community is kind of catching up. It's intermittent fasting is kind of in vogue right now. There's a lot of documentation about what it actually does and how it's beneficial medically for your body. Um, it helps regulate it. There was one doctor who said when your body is not assimilating things, it can concentrate on eliminating things. Fasting is like a surgeon without a knife. The body goes after dangerous deposits of things that need to be eliminated. I don't know about you, but when I fast, I want that not only to happen in my body, but in my spirit, in my mind, in my heart, and in my desires to go after those dangerous deposits of sin or hurt or shame or anger. It's unbelievable that a lot of times when we get in prolonged fasting, some of these emotions just start to bubble up. Some of these memories start to come up and you're like, why am I so angry right now? And a lot of times it's not because you want Cheez-Its. It's because you are actually forced to deal with the emotions you've been suppressing with things that are medicating those things. And when you take away the medication, a lot of times you have to deal with the disease. Because a lot of times we just treat the symptoms, we don't treat the cause. It evacuates, it regulates, and then it elevates. It elevates our spiritual authority and awareness of God. I remember there was an African uh, preacher and revivalist Um, And when someone asked him about fasting, he said, I fast because my appetites are like disobedient children that are standing up and clamoring for my attention. And when I fast, I tell them to sit down and to be quiet and let's listen for the voice of the Father. So fasting sucks, right? It (laughs) evacuates, it regulates, and it elevates. So if you decide you want to uh, put this into practice and try fasting, um, I would go ahead and do a 40-day full fast. Like just start it right now and don't stop until 40 days. I'm just kidding. That's, that's horrible advice. If the Lord calls you to it, that's great. Just make sure you have someone to interpret that for you. But there's a, a lot of parameters and practices and ways that we, we can do this. So there's the, the food fast, which biblically, it's usually and almost always referring to food. Um, you have a partial fast like Daniel did, or you can have a full fast um, like Jesus did. And he actually abstained from liquids, which um, I'm, I'm not there. But what you do is 
Hey, I think a great way to start out is a 12 or a 24 hour fast. Uh, I think I remember it was uh, Willard or Foster who've written great on this. Um, the easiest way entry in for me was, hey, I would eat lunch and then I wouldn't eat again until lunch the next day. So the majority of it is I'm sleeping. Um, and so you just, you're trying to just incrementally start to curb uh, your appetite for food to make more space for God, for prayer and for worship. Um, there's personal and there's corporate fast. If you're like me, when you're first starting out, you, you need some help and prayer and accountability. Like, Hey, we, I need you to do this with me. And we're going to set a time, a specific time for prayer and revelation and awareness. And then we're going to process it together. Um, there's also, uh, if you start to do extended fast, um, I would consult with doctor or nutritionist. Um, by the way, if you have eating disorders or your temptation, your first thought is, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose so much weight. Um, that's not fasting. That's body worship. Um, and it is possible to fast and not fast to the Lord. Uh, that's in Zechariah. Um, those things the Lord detests. Um, and his fasting always is after obedience um, to help the oppressed, to fight injustice, and to feed the hungry. So our fasting should be to have an awareness of who God is and a power to change things in our life and ultimately for the sake of others. Now, these are just fun places to experiment. I don't necessarily know if you'd call them biblical fast, um, but sometimes you can fast from media if that's controls you, if that's become an idol, if that's something that medicates you, if that's a way that you're consistently dealing with anxiety or boredom or depression, um, and you're just trying to escape feeling your feelings, take a break. Um, uh, you know, that Netflix suck is going to be okay if you and I decide, hey, you know, I I'm going to stop watching digital entertainment from period A to period B. There's also you can do certain foods. Uh, that if you realize there's certain foods that you're going after um, that are not healthy for your body and not healthy for your spirit, you just take a break for those and realize uh, I'm going to take rather to develop my spiritual appetite. Word of warning to you, by the way, you don't fast from sin. The believer is called to ruthlessly put to death the misdeeds of the body. That's what is a consistent call for Christians, not a periodic call. Now, fasting may help give you strength and power to overcome the temptation to sin, but it's not, hey, I'm going to give up sin. That You don't need to call, you don't think to call that a fast. I think you need to just call that following Jesus. So, uh, fasting sucks. And here's the last uh, word picture I'll give to you. I have a vivid memory of being uh, a seven-year-old kid and I'm in class and I've got this number two pencil and I'm chewing on the eraser, it comes off, and there's a cute kind of girl sitting next to me, and I'm doing silly stuff to get her attention. Shocker, I really haven't changed all that much um, in 30 years. And all of a sudden, I just thought, hey, watch this, I'm going to look like a clown. So I take the eraser, and I put it in my ear, and I'm like, oh, look, I got an eraser in my ear. And she's like, where? And I said, right here. And I push it, and it goes straight into my inner ear. And the more I try to dig, the deeper that eraser goes in. Long story short, my mom finds out. Um, we can't get it out. She takes me to the doctor. And one of the tools and mechanisms after they tried to pick and couldn't get it out is they literally bought out a little mini vacuum cleaner. And what they did is they had to put a seal that was airtight around my ear in order to get traction to suck out the blockage that was distorting my hearing. That was not a pleasant feeling. 
it hurt. But oftentimes that's a picture the Lord gives me when I go into fasting periods, right? I need you to evacuate and excavate the blockages that are muffling your voice in my life. I want to be able to hear the words of the Father and obey them in anything that's distracting, muffling, or blocking, or muting your voice. I want them removed so that I can be regulated in my appetites and in my passion and in my pleasure. And I want to have an elevated sense of your presence, your power, your provision, and your peace. And at the end of the day, I would simply say this. Fasting is not mainly about what we give up. It's about what we want more of. Fasting is not mainly about what we're giving up. It's what we want more of. We want more intimacy. We want more power. We want more authority as Christ followers to be the kind of people he says he can be and then be able to pursue in the spirit of adventure regardless of the consequences with reckless abandonment this life that he's calling us to live rather than getting sidelined and sabotaged by our favorite sins and our insecurities um, and our false gods and our applause and approval from men rather than God. Amen? So hopefully I'll give you a couple ideas and practices of way that you might incorporate fasting into your spiritual disciplines. So let's take 120 seconds. And I just got three simple questions for you. You ready? What do you want less of in your life? What do you want less of in your life? What's the blockage? What's the obstruction? What's the dirt? (laughs) What's the grime? What's slowly gathered in your heart and in your soul that you want to humble yourself with fasting for the Lord to start to excavate, regulate, and uh, elevate? Hang it, Chris. Elevate. (laughs) What do you want less of in your life? Second question I would ask you is, What do you want more of? He's given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. The question is, are we accessing it? So what do you want more of? The problem sometimes with fasting is not that we're hungry, it's that we're not hungry enough. What do you want to hunger more for? What do you want to fast so that you can feast on? Good. Final question is simply this. How might fasting help you in those two questions? Amen? Amen.